0: Hello, friends. You're listening to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. I'm Chris and the Communications Director at Cap City, and I'm so glad that you're listening. In fact, I would love to chat with you. So, send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. Today's message is from Easter Sunday. So, even though you're listening after the fact, let me tell you Happy Easter, Happy Resurrection Day, whatever you like to call it, Happy Easter. This year's Easter is an Easter unlike any other that I've ever seen. With the coronavirus and the quarantine that we're all in to help flatten the curve we did easter drive-in style we had a trailer and a tent set up outside and people parked their cars six feet apart to celebrate the resurrection of jesus but what a better day when easter is different than any of us have ever experienced to hear an easter message that i and probably you have also never experienced let's get right to this message about jesus and the sign of jonah here's our senior minister dr stephen doc pattison
1: Morning guys, isn't this crazy? But this is not the craziest Easter service here at Capital City. We 46 years ago, almost to the day, it was even weirder. On April the 3rd, 1974, a tornado tore this church down. Apparently only one wall was standing. 11 days later, April 14, 1974, this church family set up chairs in the parking lot right up there for an Easter service. They propped up a cross with some concrete blocks and Wayne Smith preached. And those who were there that day remember that service is absolutely amazing. Now why would they do that? Why would they set up chairs in a parking lot next to the rubble of a church? Why are we doing a crazy Easter service like this one in our back parking lot? Well, about 2,000 years ago, the earliest Jesus followers were hiding behind closed doors. They were bewildered and they were scared. Something happened. Something happened that gave them an inexplicable peace, courage, and hope. And it didn't have anything to do with a vaccine. We're here this morning because Jesus rose from the dead. An event so momentous that we Jesus followers have gathered together in places and ways way stranger than this for 2,000 years to honor and thank our God. We are here this morning because what happened that morning changed everything for every single person for all time. It was the most important day in the history of the world. It's the most important day in my life. It was the most important day in your life. So whether you're here with us in one of these cars or online or on the radio, we're trying to give God the honor and the praise that he deserves. So let's pray together. Our Father, may the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts please you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen okay guys if you have not been hanging with us the last couple of months you need to know that we've been working our way through an amazing story the story of a prodigal prophet named Jonah and in a way everything we've been doing the last two months has been leading up to this day this morning so here was the scene 800 years after Jonah Jesus has been out he's been doing Jesus stuff He heals one man with a deformed hand without even touching him, and you'd think that that would cause some of the religious leaders to listen to Jesus, but you'd be wrong. Instead, they started plotting to kill him, go figure. And then they bring another guy to Jesus. He's blind, he's mute, he's possessed by a demon. Jesus heals him too. Now the guy can see, he can talk, the demon's gone, and you would think that the religious leaders would soften towards Jesus. You'd be wrong they're thinking maybe this Jesus is not getting his power from God maybe he's getting his power from Satan you see these religious leaders were a whole lot like some of us if you don't want to believe in Jesus you will find a reason not to if you don't want to bend your knees to Jesus he's not gonna force you yet he's gonna nudge you that's what the Holy Spirit does he keeps nudging us you felt him you felt him convict you of your sin he's felt you nudge him towards Jesus in fact the only unpardonable sin the only unpardonable sin is to refuse to respond to the spirits nudge towards Jesus now guys all of that stuff is in the gospel of Matthew chapter 12 and those two confrontations set up this scene this encounter here it is Matthew chapter 12 starting with verse 38 one day some teachers of religious law some Pharisees some guys like me they came to Jesus and they said teacher we want you to show us a miraculous sign we want you to prove yourself prove your authority to us these miracles that you're doing these things that you're saying they're not enough convince us Jesus we dare you convince us and here's what Jesus answered he said only an evil adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah Jonah that's why we've been digging into the Jonah story for the past two months Jesus says for as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights now, they don't understand that yet, but Jesus is planting a, scene, a seed. You see, a, a day is coming when they're going to get it. <coughs> Excuse me. He says that the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day. They're going to condemn it because they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah, but someone way greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to repent. It's mind-blowing people of Nineveh responded to a petulant little prophet named Jonah so how is it that so many refused to respond to the one who was infinitely greater than Jonah Jesus says now guys I've preached here at Capital City for 25 years now that's 25 Easter sermons minus the one right after I fell off a scaffold in the worship center but I have never preached a sermon on Easter on the sign of Jonah even though when they challenge Jesus why would we believe in you Jesus why would we follow you prove yourself to us Jesus says the only sign that I'm gonna give you is the sign of Jonah and that one's enough and when you start looking at it I actually think there are three pieces to this sign of Jonah three miracles actually and each one of these miracles is more persuasive than the one before here's the first the most obvious Jesus says, as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, so will I, be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Some people are like, really? I mean, Jesus goes to Jonah, the Jonah story. I mean, if you're looking for an excuse to blow off the Bible, Jonah's where a lot of people go. I mean,. What kind of a fish can swallow a man whole without chewing him up first? And even if you could find one that could pull it off, how does a guy stay alive three days inside the belly of a whale? I mean, I saw it one time on Sharknado. Any of you guys see Sharknado? Pretty good movie. They cut open a shark and they rescue the girl. It was funny. And there are Jesus followers out there who spend all kinds of time searching for a fish that could pull it off. And there are Jesus mockers out there who spend all kinds of energy trying to debunk the story. And both sides miss the point. You see, the question is not, can you ID a fish that can pull it off? The question is, is there a God? Do you believe there's a God? And if you believe there is a God, you have to admit the possibility of a miracle unless your God is mighty puny. Seriously, guys, if there's a God who could create the heavens and the earth out of nothing, do you really think that pulling off a fish story like the one in Jonah would be hard for him? And when you think about it, every miracle, every miracle is a fish story. Virgins don't have babies. They knew that back then. You can't heal a deformed hand by ordering it to straighten up. They knew that back then. You can't heal a guy who's blind and mute just like that, like Jesus did. You can't be whipped till you're nearly dead, then nailed to the cross till you are dead, then stabbed with a spear to make sure on a Friday evening, and then walk out of your tomb on a Sunday morning. Unless there really is a God Jesus said, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. You can't order God to prove himself to you on your terms. Jesus says, the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, so will I, Jesus says, be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And here's the part of the story that we miss. You see, it's like Jonah dies in that fish. And it's like God raises Jonah from the dead, a sign that Jesus doesn't want us to miss. Inside the fish, Jonah prays. Here's what he says in his prayer. He says, I'm calling to you, God, from the land of the dead. He says, the waters close over me. Seaweed wraps itself around my head like a burial shroud. He says, I sink to the very roots of the mountains. I'm pr- imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock shut forever. He says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. He says, you pulled me up from the grave alive. It's like a death and a resurrection. And Jesus says, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And guys, that should be enough. Easter morning should be enough. An ordinary man cannot be whipped till he's nearly dead, nailed to a cross till they're sure he's dead, stabbed in the heart with a spear by a professional on a Friday evening to be doubly sure stuffed in a tomb with no machines to resuscitate, no meds, no nourishment, and then walk out of his tomb on Sunday morning unless there really is a God. And Jesus predicted it. He actually predicted it. He says, the sign that I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. You're going to kill me. And I'm going to stay dead for a couple of days and then I'm coming back. He predicted it. That should be enough to blow your mind. That should make it irrational to blow Jesus off. Guys, if Jesus predicted it and then Jesus pulls it off, then our being out here on a day like this makes perfect sense. That by itself would be enough, but there's more. There's way more. Jesus keeps going he says the people of Nineveh are gonna stand up against this generation on the judgment day and they're gonna condemn it because they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah and someone way greater than Jonah is here now that may not mean a whole lot to some people today but back then they knew exactly what Jesus meant that's why we've been unpacking this over the past couple of months For those of you who need a little bit of background, let me fill you in. These Ninevites were awful. They were flat-out evil. They were like terrorists on steroids. Think ISIS or Al-Qaeda, but not hiding in caves. Think of them as a superpower with an army, no no other army strong enough to stop them. Ruthless, cold-blooded, brutal, pitiless, nearly inhuman. And God tells Jonah, I want you to preach to these guys. And I want you to give them a chance to turn their lives around. Even the worst of the worst, worse than anyone any of us have ever known, I want you to give them a chance to turn their lives around. And this may be a bigger miracle than being swallowed by a fish and three days later walking away. The Ninevites believed God, they listened to Jonah and they actually believed God and they repented. All of them from the king all the way down to the bottom of their social ladder. People of Nineveh believed God from the greatest to the least, it says. They repented. They declared a fast. They prayed. And it says when God saw what they had done and how they would put a stop to their evil ways, God changed his mind. It says he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had planned. Now, do you have any idea how big a miracle that is? That would be like Billy Graham going to Mecca for the Hajj, preaching Jesus, and all of them, all of them bending their knees to Jesus. It would be like Al-Qaeda, all of them, putting their guns down and looking for a church to honor Jesus, all of them. Be a heck of a miracle, wouldn't it? I mean, compare these two miracles. If there really is a God, and if Jesus really is the Son of God, then raising Jesus from the dead after he's murdered by people like us makes perfect sense. Of course God could raise his son from the dead. Of course good God would raise his son from the dead. Jesus was his son. But why would God extend grace to the absolute worst of the worst? And why would the absolute worst of the worst respond in mass? It'd be like MS 13, all of them, the Hell's Angels, the Bloods, the Crips, all of them, the Mafia, the Yakuza, the Colombian drug lords, all of them bending their knees to Jesus. Jesus says these Ninevites believed God and they repented. And all they had was Jonah, a petulant little prophet with a weird fish story and a message from God. We have Jesus. We have the Son of God, whipped, nailed, stabbed, buried, then raised from the dead by the power of God. And we resist bending our knees to this Jesus. So Jesus says the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day. They'll condemn it because they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah and someone way greater, way greater than Jonah is here. But look at the flip side. Yeah, a lot of people refused to bend their knees to the resurrected Jesus. But look at those who did. When they buried Jesus, the disciples went into hiding. They were terrified. Talk about social distancing. Guys whose dreams had died with Jesus, their hopes had died with Jesus, their faith in God was rattled by a cross. Six weeks later, they're out on the streets of Jerusalem preaching Jesus. There is salvation in no one else, they said. He is alive. The authorities told them to shut up. They threatened the Jesus followers. They started killing us. None of the Jesus followers would back down. And then so many of the Jews, the same Jews who had shouted, crucify him. So many of the Jews started turning towards Jesus, thousands of them. And then the disciples started preaching Jesus to those who were not Jews, to the Gentiles, people like us, and tens of thousands of Gentiles, people like us, started bending their knees to Jesus. How do you explain it? These disciples, this ragtag bunch of misfits, preaching a crucified Messiah (coughs) from an obscure village in Podunk Holler, they were poor, without any organizational skills, they were not especially smart. They didn't have political connections. And in 20 years, churches dotted the hostile Roman Empire. In 300 years, the empire itself bent its knees to Jesus. And in the centuries that followed, Jesus' followers transformed the world. You explain it. Even those who are not Jesus' followers, the fingerprints of Jesus are everywhere. We name our kids Peter, Paul, John, James, Thomas, Stephen, Andrew, Christopher, Christ-bearer. We name our dogs Caesar and Nero. And on an Easter morning, nearly 2,000 years later, in the middle of a pandemic, we gather in our cars in a parking lot to thank the son and give the father the honor and the praise that he deserves. Because there is one more sign even than that alluded to in in the miracle of Jonah. Maybe this is the greatest miracle of all. First, there's the miracle of the resurrection. Then, there's the miracle of transformation. One more. There is a miracle of substitutionary love, and it may be the most mind blowing miracle of all. You see, a God of power is not too hard to fit into these puny little brains. He's God, He's powerful, He's infinitely powerful. Of God, of course, God could raise Jesus from the dead. And watching men bend their knees to God, respond to God, we can get that too. It's mind-blowing. It's, it, it's watching the church explode through the world like an airborne virus. Way more powerful, way more enduring, way more life-changing than this coronavirus. But maybe the greatest miracle of all, the most mind-blowing miracle of all is this. How could an infinitely powerful God, an infinitely holy God, an infinitely smart God actually love us? So much so that the reason Jesus died was to pay for the way for us to do life with God again. Why would God want that? The life with God that he meant us to live from the start. Jesus said of himself, he says, right here, right now, someone greater than Jonah is here. Someone infinitely greater than Jonah is here in so many ways. They threw Jonah off a boat for his own sins. Jesus embraced a cross for our sins. Jonah had to be forced by God to preach to a few. Jesus came into our world on his own volition, resolved to save whoever would respond, all of us if he could. Jonah felt like he descended into hell itself, like he was driven from God's sight. According to the greatest creeds, Jesus descended into hell on purpose, so we wouldn't have to. Someone infinitely greater than Jonah is here, especially because of this. If you guys remember the great old movie, The Bridge Over the River Kwai, great old flick. One of the guys who was actually there was a guy named Ernest Gordon. He was a British army officer captured by the Japanese in World War II. He was sent as a POW to work on a railroad being built by the Japanese in Thailand to prepare for their invasion of India. Thousands of POWs worked in the intense heat, their bare bodies attacked by insects, their bare feet cut by the rocks. They were dropping dead from exhaustion, malnutrition, disease. If a POW wasn't working hard enough, the Japanese guards would murder them on the spot. Nearly 400 men died for every mile of track that was laid, 80,000 in all. Calculate that death rate. Gordon says in times like that, we men tend to degenerate into barbarians. Every man for himself. Then one day a shovel went missing, the guards thought they demanded who had stolen it they started raising their guns to shoot the prisoners till they found the guilty man and at that moment one man stepped forward and he said I did it they beat him to death on the spot that evening when they were putting up the tools they discovered that they had miscounted there was no shovel missing this man had simply stepped forward to give his life for his brothers he took the punishment so they wouldn't have to and it changed them because substitutionary love changes people the prisoners started treating each other like brothers they started looking after each other and when the victorious allies finally liberated them the survivors by that time just human skeletons instead of attacking the guards they said no more hatred no more killing what we need now is forgiveness guys that's a true story that's a story of substitutionary love and it's a thread that runs through so many of our greatest stories in the last of the Mohicans Duncan Hayward gives his life to save the woman he loves the woman who didn't love him back Les Miserables one of the greatest stories ever written There's scene after scene after scene of sacrificial love it'll tear your heart out did mine Clint Eastwood Gran Torino, he gives his life to save the little gooks that he had grown to love. Captain John Miller giving his life to save Private Ryan. Aslan dying on a stone table in a little twit named Edmund's Place. All of those echoes of our story, all of them drawing their power, their passion from our story. You see, maybe the greatest miracle of All is the substitutionary love of our God. In fact, when you start thinking about it, perhaps all real love is substitutionary. Parents allow their lives to be disrupted for years, giving up time, money, and dreams because they love their kids a friend is hurting a lonely or sick their pain can suck the life out of those who are close to them and a friend draws close anyway giving up the time and the energy and the tranquility cuz that's what love does and a God who doesn't need us at all a God who is complete in himself a God who is perfectly holy loves on little twits like us so much so that he enters into our world to prove it to take the punishment that we deserve and to invite us back to peace with God, offering a taste of life with God as God meant it, and offering us a hope for eternal life. Guys, an infinitely powerful God, an infinitely holy God, an infinitely good God who is willing to suffer pain and injustice and death to offer us life is worthy of our worship. Someone who is greater, someone who is infinitely greater than Jonah is right here, right now. That's the reason that week after week we gather together as Jesus followers to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It's a reminder of what our God was willing to do for us, it's a taste of His grace. Now, if you have the elements for the Lord's Supper with you, I've got it somewhere here. If you have the Lord's Supper with you, I don't have it. Chris, you have one there? Thank you. I had it in the pocket. If you would take this, please. If you don't have it, you can pick the Lord's Supper elements up in our foyer sometime through the week, and you can get it. But we do this just to remember. Body of Christ, broken for us. Take and eat this to remember what he did for you. And he took the cup, and Jesus said, this cup now represents my blood, which I shed for you. Drink this and remember me. Pray together. Father, for Jesus, we give you thanks. For your amazing grace, we give you thanks. For the sacrifice that made it possible for us to be here at all, we give you thanks. And I pray that we will stand tall as Jesus followers and share that grace with everyone we come into contact with. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now guys, if you're a Jesus follower today, are you willing to give God the thanks and the honor and the praise that He deserves right here, right now? If you're a skeptic, can you feel the Spirit of God nudging at you, pushing you towards Jesus? guys when God nudges at you don't push back God doesn't have anything in mind for you but your best he wants an abundant life for you here he wants to do life with you forever don't push back if you're right on the edge if you want to talk to us we'd love to talk to you about making Jesus Christ the King of your life If you go online, you can find ways to contact us in a variety of ways. You can message us, you can email us, you can call us, and we'd love to talk with you. Guys, if God is pushing at you, don't push back. Do life with God, be a Jesus follower. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, we're so grateful that we can be here, and I pray that we have honored you. It's the morning when we remember the most significant event in history the most significant event in any of our lives and it's worth anything to give you the praise and the honor and the thanks that you deserve thank you for this church family thank you for the opportunity to share Jesus in the name of Christ we pray these things amen